You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would love your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. This helps other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast, but it also helps us keep going. We like to know what you like and why you listen, and it really just uh, fills our hearts to hear how you like the show. So (laughs) just click review select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yes, we really do. So we want to invite you, if you haven't already, to email us with ideas for the podcast. If you have something, a subject that you want to hear us tackle um, on our podcast, then we would love for you to email us at millionprayingmoms at gmail.com, and we will do our very best to tackle that for you in a future episode. I wanted to read one of our reviews really quickly from the Golden Peacock Mom. <laughs> I just that love is these fantastic. names. I know, it's so great. So the Golden Peacock Mom says, I love this ministry. These podcasts cover topics real families encounter. I have an adult son with special needs who still lives in our home and a 12-year-old daughter who was adopted. In our family, we face regular challenges and unique challenges. The Million Praying Moms ministry has covered so many of the issues I face in my home and has been a tremendous encouragement and help. I've also been using the Pray the Word journal for three quarters now, and it has helped me be consistent in praying for my children and praying God's word for them. I'm so thankful for this ministry and the wisdom God has given you. My word, Peacock Mom. We cannot thank you enough for that raving review. We're so grateful that God is using this ministry for you, and we love hearing about people who have been using Pray the Word journal for that long. That is so fantastic. Think of all the prayers that are treasured up in those books that you can one day give to your kids. We love that. If you have not taken a second to leave your review yet, just go right now. You can push pause or you can come back after it's over and take care of that right away. And then listen for us as we might read your review on the air as well. You just never know. So you'll have to keep listening. Okay, Erin, let's move on to our topic. I am so excited to have our guests uh, today join us. They are known for their honesty and authenticity on the subject of Christian marriage. I have really enjoyed following them over the years and benefiting from what God has taught them because it gives me hope that God wants to do the same thing in my marriage as well, and it can for all of you. We're very, very excited to talk about how prioritizing our marriages can have a huge impact on the health and well-being of our children. Yeah, this is really important. And I feel the same as you. I have loved following them for, I I wish I remembered how long I should have looked this up, but um, I have loved the honesty. That's, that's 
such an important thing when you're talking about marriage that it's not all Instagram posts and love and unicorns and all of that stuff that there's, there's a lot of real honest, raw stuff and they have shown it all and walked through it with um, grace and pointing to Jesus all the time. And that's why we're excited to have Aaron and Jennifer Smith here. They are the wildly popular bloggers behind unveiledwife.com and husbandrevolution.com. And they have recently released a new book entitled Marriage After God, Chasing Boldly After God's Purpose for Your Life Together. It's fantastic, you guys. Aaron and Jennifer, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much for having us. This is um, a huge honor for us as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family so our listeners get to know you. So Aaron and I have been married for 12 years now. Um, almost 13. Yeah, almost 13. We're creeping up to 13 years now. And we have um, four kids with one on the way. Yes. So five kids. Five kids. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Exciting. I saw Exciting. that announcement the other day. Yes. <laughs> We're super uh, excited. And what are their ages? So our oldest, Elliot, he, uh, he'll be turning seven soon. And then Olive, our sweet girl, is uh, four and a half. Wyatt is going to be three soon. And uh, Truett, our youngest right now, I just turned one. Yeah. And then we're due in the spring, so. Oh, that's just a miracle that you could remember all those ages. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, wait, when, when did they have a birthday? Did they have it yet? Thankfully, mine are all in the spring. So I know that they're all turning either an odd or an even number in, <laughs> in close together. And so if, they've, if spring is over, they're all on to the next one. But I, I'm amazed whenever moms can remember all of the parents can remember all of those ages. I'm so. really glad to hear you say that because I always feel such like mom guilt because my boys' birthdays are only three weeks apart. And every time somebody asks me for one of their birthdays, I have to pause and think about it because I'm like, wait a minute, which one's which? So totally I always normal. feel so bad about that. Like I should be able to just roll that right off the tongue, right? Totally normal. <laughs> Awesome. Well, as we've said, we're so glad to have you guys. Um, We want to start out by coming up with what I call kind of a working definition of the purpose of marriage as you all see it, because I think you, you come at this from a slightly different perspective than most of our readers or excuse me, listeners might have thought about it before. And I just want to have that as our foundation and the place that we're working from. Um, I think most people maybe at least in the United States, marry for love or because they, you know, they want to start a family or they want to share their lives with someone. But you say the purpose of Christian marriage is much more than just that. So give us that working definition to start from. Yeah. uh, And you're right. Most people do get married for, you know, love and family and and connection and and partnership. And um, those aren't bad. Uh, our, Our intention and the thing that God's shown us is that the reason God created marriage in the first place was for much more than that. Those are benefits of having a, having a, a partner, having a marriage, uh, a godly marriage. But the purpose that we've found in scripture and in reality and what we live out is that our marriages are, are meant to be uh, symbols representing the gospel. And so the way we engage, the way we interact, the way we grow, the way we parent, the way we love each other and make decisions uh, are all witnessing tools for the gospel and the way we interact with each other. Um, we're like little mini pictures of the church in Christ. And that's what Ephesians teaches us. And I'm sure we'll get into that more, but that's essentially 
our our premise that we've learned from the Bible and from from living it out what God's been showing us is that um, if we can recognize the the symbol that our marriage represents, it, then it will change the way we think and act and make decisions in every area of our life. And if I could just add on to that, that was beautiful. Um, I would just say that we're a team for God's glory. And there's so much when we understand that and we pursue that, we there's so much that we can do within our marriage with the gifts and the, the talents and the resources that God has given us to build his kingdom mm-hmm. and to do great things in this world. And so um, I just wanted to tack on that. It's like, it's like being a team for him. Yeah. And as we probably get into this, but it, it brings deep, deep spiritual meaning to even the most mundane things in our lives. Uh, You know, changing baby's diapers. Uh, Those are, those are big spiritual things when you realize what they're, what you're doing in your, in your relationship and in your family and in your home. Um, But like, so when you realize what that, what your marriage represents, that it's not just about you and what you get and, you know, how well you are compatible with each other or all these things that we, we consider in marriage, uh, you start to look toward Christ and you say, okay, well, our marriage is a tool to be used in his hands. Mm-hmm. I love that you said it's not wrong to want to be happy and have connection and all of that in a marriage. That's, that's not what this conversation is about, but if that's, the reason for getting married and not recognizing the deeper purpose and meaning, then it doesn't have the foundation. Is that right? right? I mean, like, and that's where we see a lot of problems in marriage is because we expect the other person to make us happy. We expect um, Mm -hmm. it to be love and, and, you know, all lovey dovey from the beginning and until the end. And that (laughs) if that's, if that's your goal, that you're going to be disappointed pretty quickly, but having the goal that's focused on Christ, which is eternal, which is a higher purpose is great is where we should be focused. And the other stuff is a byproduct of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to take that purpose that you just beautifully shared and ask, how does that purpose in marriage extend to our mission as parents? You talked about diapers, which, you know, (laughs) we all know how fun that is. (laughs) There's lots of diaper changing in our family. Um, And, you know, knowing this purpose, it does, it does help us in our parenting and in, in our mission of what motherhood and fatherhood looks like. Um, Because when we are, are practicing living out the gospel, like Aaron said, it changes the way we interact and the way we treat each other. And that has a profound impact on our children. They're going to be raised to see what it looks like to have a mom and a dad uh, engage with one another with the gospel being their foundation. Um, and it will, will also impact our relationship, you know, as parents with them. And hopefully if they continue the legacy of having children, that they would know how to raise mm-hmm. their kids. If you think about, you know, when you just look at the 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 scriptures of, of, in, you know, walking in the spirit and not the flesh and the fruit of the spirit is peace, patience, kindness, goodness. When we're moving together towards those things, the home is much more peaceful mm-hmm. rather than there being chaos because me and my wife are butting heads all the time on, on us wanting to do opposite things, or she's not getting her way. I'm not getting my way, which in turn makes the home very unstable. Uh, even if we're, we still love each other, but there's constant fighting that immediately affects our children. We've seen it even in the, the few times that we have real big fights, which we've gotten less and less over the years doing that. 
uh, our kids respond instantly to that. They, they feel the fragility in the home. They, they feel the disunity between mom and dad. Um, and then you see this even more when, when there's divorce. You, the, it wrecks the children for long term in their, in their hearts and in their minds and in their spirit. And so it's not just staying together. It's being unified in one purpose and one mind. And so as my wife's constantly growing towards God and as I'm constantly growing towards God, and we, I'm, I'm learning to love my wife more like Christ loves the church and she's learning to submit and to love and to respect. And then our children see that. Mm-hmm. You, they, they only know what the gospel looks like from our life. And then when we say it with our words, it has much more meaning because mm-hmm. they've seen it played out. And so all of it, the, the living that out, living the Bible out in our lives, walking the gospel in our relationship, uh, it causes us to, to, tr- to train our ch- to children differently, to have a perspective of like, wow, we're not, we're not just trying to get them to 18. <laughs> we're not just trying to keep them alive. Uh, I'm not just trying to make them smarter humans. I'm, I'm trying to make them to know God, mm-hmm. not just through, hey, here's what the Bible says, but hey, look, data's trying to do this, what the Bible says, and look if, what it looks like. Because if there's hypocrisy, then they're going to grow up and be really confused and probably and bitter towards God. Bitter and, in some way. And so we, we try and live that out. So an example of this, if, if I don't love, you know, my wife as Christ and I was harsh, you know, and, and Peter tells us not to be harsh with our wives and I, and I, and my kids see that, you know what I get to do? I get to repent of that in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. I go to my wife and say, Hey, I, I was, I should not have been that way. I was, I was irritated and I just let my flesh control me. And you know what? I need to change and I need to repent. And then go to my kids, children, I was not good to mommy. That was not right. God does not want me to be that way. So they get to see me be humble. Mm-hmm. And they, so they learn humbleness. They learn repentance. They learn, oh, like it's about maturity. It's about changing. It's about being transformed. Mm-hmm. So they get to see that in our life directly in the way we interact with each other. Yeah. And I'd say um, just to, you, you share the word perspective. And I think that's such a huge um, necessity when it comes to parenting. Um, but, but having a, a foundational purpose in marriage helps us cultivate um, a vision for legacy, a vision right. for the future, and having a perspective where it's not just the day-to-day, even if we're kind of stuck on the mundane things or mm-hmm. how we feel in the moment, um, having a perspective that what we're cultivating is for um, long-term longevity yeah, not just tomorrow but it, next year it helps it helps yeah it helps us to be able to have that self-control in the moment to sit to to be real with ourselves and say you know what really matters in this moment right it's mm-hmm. the it's it's living for today knowing that tomorrow's coming and that for our kids and that tomorrow yeah, matters yeah. but today is how we what we get to deal with and what we mm. get to grow in and work on that's a, that's a good point. Legacy. Yeah, that was really good. That was fantastic. So you've done a little bit of this and I'd like for you to, to just camp here just for a second. Cause I feel like there could be some of our listeners right now who, you know, did not grow up in a home where this was modeled for them. They have no idea what, um, you know, having a gospel centered marriage, if you will, even looks like. And maybe the husband is a believer and the wife is a believer, but they still don't really know, like practically speaking on a daily basis, then, you know, the grind of the daily, what does it look like? So I wondered if you could give them some examples of things in your home of what that might look like. 
Um, the first thing that comes to my mind that I just wanted to share is um, do like do a little search on the one another verses in the Bible. All the things that, you know, say be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another mm-hmm. and start there and use that as a foundation of, of evaluation and say, am I being this way towards my spouse right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something I always say is, uh, you know, uh, the fair trying to test him. And he says, do you know what the greatest commandment is? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I always say our closest neighbor is our spouse. (laughs) We live with that person Mm -hmm. every single day. So um, as we talk about on our book, Marriage After God, we get to practice living out the Christian lifestyle in the gospel in our home. And the first benefactors of the fruit from our tree, the fruit from our spiritual life should be our children and our spouse. They get to taste of the goodness, the gentleness, the kindness, the, the faithfulness. They, they should be the first benefactors. The second benefactor should be the church at large, the, the other brothers and sisters in the body, then, then our neighbors and those who don't believe, and then our bosses. And so it should flow from there. It shouldn't start outside like at church or, you know, when you're around the Christians, but it should start at home and move out from that there. And so our children get to, should be the first benefactors of that. And uh, I just want to give an encouragement to anyone who is listening. Um, you know, my, I, I was raised in a Christian home. You were raised in a, a little bit looser, but Christian home mm-hmm. um, with divorce. Uh, my parents are still together, but um, we, we never, we, I don't say, I wouldn't say either of us saw a perfect picture of a Christian uh, marriage and being raised in that. But what's awesome is the Bible gives us those answers. Uh, and so when we, you know, we start off the, the book with the Bible is the, is where we need to land first. So when I, how do I love my wife as Christ? So how, what I get to look at Christ's life and be like, well, how did he love mm-hmm. and how did he forgive? And he laid his life down. He, he literally took on the sins of the world on his shoulders. And so I get to love my wife the same way. And then it gives the picture of the wife being like the church, the bride of Christ. That's the, these are the symbols that we represent mm-hmm. and how does the, the, the church relate to Christ? And then we get to see that picture and we get to walk in that. And then like you said, I love that. We can just look at the one another's and like, how do Christians walk with each other? And we get yeah. to practice that with each other. Yeah. Don't save all that goodness for other people. Make sure it's happening, you know, between each other. Yeah. Um, I, something else that I want to um, just encourage everyone listening with um, from our own marriage is that um, some, something I learned was that, um, when we did mess up or frustrate each other or wrong each other, it wasn't an apology, uh, forgiveness, and then we're perfect. It's a constant and sometimes daily ministry of reconciliation. And it's right. just like that picture of the gospel where you, you're saved, you give your life to Christ, but then it's a continual sanctification process. Marriage is so similar in that we day by day are learning more about who we are in light of marriage and how to, how to be mm-hmm. Christian to one another and how to be godly toward one another. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that takes a lot of apology and forgiveness. <laughs> that often takes a lot. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, <laughs> not a, of, it's not a perfect friends. story. It's not a perfect story. Right. I think, you know, we started off by saying sometimes people get married for happiness and, and that dwindles quickly because when you hurt somebody, happiness flees, it's like gone. And so yeah. it requires a deeper, there's a deeper more meaning that. yeah, to fuel you to go back to them and say, I forgive you or I'm sorry. Um, but, and that was a huge thing in our marriage that yeah. I had to learn. And that requires humility and uh, removal of selfishness and so much. And what's awesome is we have a perfect savior yeah. that is finishing a work that he's begun in us. And we get to 
yield to that and say, okay, Lord, like when we recognize what, what, it, what it is we're doing, what he's doing and who he is, that, that's the gospel. It's the yeah. thing that saved us. We don't deserve any of it, mm-hmm. but he gave it to us freely and we're just to believe. And so if we believe it, if we believe our marriage is a symbol, if we believe that Christ has saved us from our sin, if we believe that he's transforming us and doing a work in us and has good works prepared for us and all of these things that are absolutely 100% true, then then what will happen is the faith is the action of that belief and we start walking in it. And like you said, it's a day by day and it's a moment by moment. It's a second by second Mm -hmm. often. And it's when we think wrong, we let the Lord renew our thinking. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned the love, the one another verses in the Bible. I think a lot of times uh, when people are looking for biblical wisdom about marriage, they only go to the verses that are about marriage and we're missing a lot. (laughs) <laughs> that is being said about how to treat one another in other places in the Bible. And I think of that um, a while back, I did a big study on Romans 12 and it has become one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And there's a lot of stuff in there about how to live. And I had found a lot of resources about how to live out in the world, according to Romans 12. And to me, God was speaking to me about living Romans 12 in my home, to my children, between my children, with my husband, you know, and in all those different ways. And it's not a marriage and it's not a parenting like typical verse or chapter in the Bible. And I think we fail to consider the whole picture when we only search Bible verses about marriage and then live based off of those. There are so much more about how we are to treat one another, like you said that can be applied in our marriages and in our parenting that are not labeled as those type of verses. So I love that you pointed that out and that that can be an encouragement to everyone to go beyond how are you supposed to treat your husband and wife, but how are we supposed to treat anyone else? Your closest neighbor, like you said, like that is, that is exactly what is happening in our homes when we're trying to uh, live out the way God has um, intended us to live. So. Uh, so that, and that's kind of the, the premise of what we're talking about is this isn't just like what we've done in society. And I think it's just the natural thing is to compartmentalize like, Oh, we have our marriage over here. I have my friendships over here. I have church over here. We have ministry over here. We have our work, we have and our parenting and everything's like these pieces. And we're like, let's work on that piece. Let's work on that piece. And we, I actually was telling Jennifer, I was like, why doesn't the Bible have more to say about parenting? <laughs> Like, like, why isn't there like, you know, there's, there's a little bit about marriage. There's, there's like a few verses about, about children towards parents and parents towards children, but there's no like, Hey, there's the book on parenting. And then like you look at this whole thing. And I think the reason God did that and the way he inspired his word is because when there's a personal transformation happening, that goes to every area of your life. It pours out. Mm -hmm. So if, if I am living like my, my Christianity is who I am. It's not what I do. I am a Christian. I bear his name. And so that is, that's going to trickle out in my relationship to my wife and then to my kids and then to my friends and neighbors and my church. And um, so the whole Bible is relevant to parenting. Mm-hmm. The whole Bible is relevant to my relationship with my wife, to people, to God. Uh, it's not, we can't, we, sh- we need to stop compartmentalizing and, and realize that our marriage is our ministry, our children is our ministry. Our neighbors is mm-hmm. our, our ministry. <laughs> uh, 
And that's the Christian life. It's not a thing that happens in the distance. It's, it's happening right now in this moment where we're at and it's everything we do. Yeah. Well, and I think God intended for us to, um, you know, you know, use all those one anotherings there. There's nothing in the Bible that says, you know, do that to everybody except your kids. Like there is, the, the Bible does say a lot about how we're to treat our kids because they are people. And so we are to treat others and, and, you know, with, with all that one anothering, they get to be a part of that. That's, it, it extends yep. to them as well. So, um, you know, I think many moms and dads struggle to keep their marriage a priority once they have children. So in your all's, from your all's perspective and the study that you've done, what is the biblical support we have for continuing to keep our marriage in a higher position than we keep our children? Because I just see lots and lots of probably moms more than dads, but maybe dads as well, get overwhelmed by the ins and outs of having children and slowly but surely the marriage goes on the back burner. How do we know from God's word that that's not what he intends? So um, just a little personal background. When we first had our, our first son, um, Elliot, I, Aaron was working a lot during the day and, um, and commuting a commuting lot. So a lot. That's what I meant. He was gone a lot. Um, and so it was me and Elliot and we kind of formed this, it was a really beautiful friendship, but it was closer than what I would say at the time our marriage was. Right. And, um, we had really, um, we had people in our life that saw it and pointed it out to us. And I was, I I didn't see it. I didn't see it for what, um, I had been cultivating Mm -hmm. in my relationship with my son and that I tended more to his needs than prioritizing my marriage. And that was a huge eye opener Mm -hmm. for me for, for being a mother and, and a wife simultaneously. And how, you know, how do, do all the pieces fit? How does it work out? Um, but you know, your question was biblical support. And the first thing that came to my mind is Genesis 2.24. It talks about the husband and the wife becoming one flesh. And so I had to learn very early in that time of Elliot, he was probably one, one and a half, that um, Aaron and I need to prioritize our marriage, that we are one flesh. We're not separate. It's not Aaron leaving off to work and now he's gone and out of the picture and it's me and Elliot. No, mm-hmm. it was always Aaron and I and I needed to cultivate that relationship that there needed to be a priority there. Um, and so God slowly started showing me how to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, I also think, so there's the oneness of flesh, which again, if the marriage is a symbol of the church in Christ, which is clearly what Paul tells us, uh, and that's the mystery of our of marriage and the mystery of the gospel is such a beautiful thing. And in uh, Genesis uh, it, it tells us that we're one flesh. It says that it, it repeats it over and over again in the New Testament. And then we have a picture of, of the church and Christ being one, that we are reconciled to the Father through Jesus Christ. And so if, if the church is one body, John 17, uh, the high priestly prayer, J- J- Jesus is praying first for his disciples that they would be one as Christ and the Father are one. And then he says, but not for them only, but for those that would believe through them. So he's praying for all of the church that we would have a unity of mind and heart, just as Christ and the father are one, that we would be one with each other and with Christ. And so you have this symbol. So if, if Jennifer and I, in our, as husband and wife, the moment we have kids are now separate and like, oh, she's going to have her relationship with the children and my, my relationship is going to be second. Take that symbol and, and extrapolate it to the, the bigger picture 
of church and the Christ in the church. So do, when you become a Christian, do you go break off from the body of Christ all of a sudden to go do this thing over here and you don't need the body anymore? No, you actually are more one with the body, more cultivate your, your first priority. And we see it over and over again in, in how we're going to treat the body. Not that we don't go and do ministry to the lost, but that's actually absolutely needs to happen. But it says first and foremost, we, we minister to the body. Our gifts are to build up the body. Our uh, resources are to benefit the body first and then those on the outside. That's, there's this order to it. And so we take that picture to our marriage. We first have a responsibility to each other so that we can bless and raise and, and feed our children rightly, not the other way around. No, no, no. I need to focus first on the children. You get seconds. That's actually a detriment to the children because they see a backwards picture of the gospel, a backwards mm-hmm. picture of marriage mm-hmm. and it's out of order. And then we're teaching them the, the wrong order, mm-hmm. which is not good for them. Um, so one practical, this way, what the way this plays out on both ways, wrong and right is my wife and I having a, a conversation and one of our kids, as everyone probably knows what this is like, boom, right between us, mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. And the wrong way would be to totally disregard the, the spouse that's talking and saying, oh, yes, what's going on? And then just engage with the child as if the other person didn't matter at all. And that teaches, first of all, our kids to, that they are allowed to be rude and that they can go interrupt someone else and that you don't need to respect other people. But the, the, the right way to do it is be like, actually, dad is talking. You stand right here and I will get you to you in a moment and put your hand right on my arm and, and you can wait. And so, we, first of all, we teach them patience and respect and honor. And we also show them immediately who's more important in that moment. No, dad is talking or mama's talking and you need to respect them. I'm listening to them right now. And so that's just one little uh, practical tip of showing the importance because it's easy to be like, no, the child's here. I need to give them attention. I want to, I want them to know that I love them and care about them. But that actually teaches them that they're more important, that they're above, that they um, can get in the way and in between. Um, so that's, I don't know. I think that's one. Do you have any other examples that you can, that was the first thing I thought of was like them well, jumping in. For- I feel like that's something that all of us can relate to because kids just have that impulse of whatever I need right now is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. And we have to teach them that it's not now if they're bleeding or, you know, whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> because I'm thinking right now with all the boys represented here and the little ones that there's probably times like that, but they do, they need to be trained in respect and in how how to enter a conversation and how to get someone's attention and how Mm -hmm. to not put someone you know put themselves above someone else in any situation but you get to teach it right there in your home in the marriage and even just listening to you guys so far you can hear the benefits of working to prioritize your marriage the kids are learning uh both about the gospel but also about how relationships work and how, how, you know, you just interact with people in general. And you also mentioned already like the peace that comes in those in the home when you're prioritizing it. I know we have people listening right now that are like, how do I make that a priority? I have little (laughs) kids. I have busy high schoolers, whatever it may be. What are some practical tips for not allowing children to take over and make your marriage less important? So I know for us, one of the first things that we started implementing that really had a a major impact in our marriage relationship was uh, scheduling date night 
Um, because before we were married for five years before we had our first son. And so once we became parents, we didn't realize that was something that you have to start making happen. (laughs) And so, um, we, we started putting it on the calendar the same time, same day, every week. And that doesn't mean that we made it happen every week, but it was there and we both looked forward to it. We were more intentional about getting a babysitter and other month maybe. Yeah. So that was something that we realized and now it's something now it's like a treasure and it's something that we won't let go of because we, we love it so yeah, much. Yeah, I'll come in and say, Are we going tonight? And she'll be like, sorry, we didn't get a babysitter. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> oh that's great. Yeah. We, look, we look forward to that time and what it means for, for our relationship. And so I I also really like the hopefulness of like no matter yeah. how the week goes, I look forward to that day. And it, it does a couple things. First of all, it cultivates unity. So like you get together and you enjoy each other's company. Sometimes it's talking about nothing yeah. uh, and enjoying a meal or just going for a walk. Um, the other thing it does, um, so, so you have that time to cultivate your oneness in your marriage. And then it also shows your kids the priority that you're like, hey, we, we're going to go have me and mommy time. Yeah. And then the kids, the kids actually start looking forward they to it. They get excited In the beginning, it. it was like, why are you going? Why are you going? Because they, <laughs> they want you. But now they, they because we've built it up and we say, this is important. This is one of our favorite things. We get to go and be alone with each other and talk mm-hmm. with each other. And, and we always tell them, we, we, m- most of the time we talk about you guys. Yeah, and so they get excited now <laughs> when it's our date night because yeah. they, they see that me and mommy love each other and they feel much more secure. Um, another thing practically to, to show, to, to make sure that your marriage is prioritized and the unity that is there for the children's sake is unity of, of understanding on how we, we do things together. So mm-hmm. we always tell our kids, so, and kids do this, they're, they're, they're pro scammers. Uh, <laughs> like, Mom, can I have this thing? No, no, you can't. And then dad, can I have this thing? No, you can't. Or yes, you can. And then they got what they wanted. Um, we do this thing where they come and be like, did you already ask your mom? <laughs> yes. What'd she say? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The team. Yeah. yeah. And so, and whenever we, and, and we actually tell them, like, you're not allowed to ask us if mom already gave you an answer. Mm-hmm. Don't come ask me. Um, it, it, cause awesome. it's, it's deceitful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've already been told an answer and me and mommy were one. What mommy says, I say, we what say I say, mommy says. T- we tell them all the time that we're one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. That's that fantastic. Yeah. They'll be in the, the, good. Go ahead. I was just gonna say they'll be in the back of the car, and they'll say, "Dad, Dad, Dad." And I'll be driving, and and Jennifer will say, what? "Dad's driving." And what? No, I want to talk to Dad. I am Dad. Yeah. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, those are like little things that we we do, and it just reinforces in their minds that we're the same person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no mom and dad. There's us. I feel like um, being on the same page like that is so important. And to couple it with being consistent because you can be consistent, you know, 10 times in a row, but the one time you're not, they remember, yeah. they know they're they so smart. Yeah. And so they just totally being, do. Yeah. So just being consistent with the, the, the things that you've talked about, the, the page that you're on, be consistent and stick yeah. into it. We use the term team in our house. Like we're the same team. Like we, I'm not going to do something against what one of my other team members said, cause we're working towards the same goal. And that resonates with the boys, you know, to have the team, <laughs> the team analogy there. And um, I was also going to say that we went through a, a season where we had a really hard time finding babysitters and we did not live near family. And it was just a challenge to make going out a priority. So about a year and a half ago, um, my husband and I instituted, well, it's probably been two years instituted um, popcorn night, date night at home where the kids go to bed 
a little bit early and they are not allowed to ask us for anything and go up Doors and go to bed. What? Yeah, do, yep. Like, and we are at home. We are eating the good stove popped popcorn that one time a week. And we look forward to mm-hmm. eating that together. And they know not to interrupt. It's, you know, my husband always says, it's date night. Good night. See you later. Like <laughs> this is, this is it. And ours are a little bit older, but really you can do an in-home date night. If, yeah. if the biggest pr- problem is getting a babysitter, then do it at home, but make it protected. Like so that it's not just I'm, we're at home and we called it date night, but we're doing dishes and we're um, yeah. getting somebody in and out of bed three times and like all of that. There needs to be like a, you know like define it like you put it on the calendar we put it on our calendar and we have a reminder that it's like this is our popcorn date night and it will happen and no you will not have something scheduled during that time <laughs> and we really look forward to it like you guys were talking about like if it's not going to happen this week we moved it to Sundays this week we were traveling and it was like oh, we're not gonna get back in time for this and we were really disappointed so we moved it to last night and it was like Oh, you know, we had our time sitting on the couch, talking, eating, you know, enjoying one another's company and it was at home and it did not include a babysitter and it doesn't completely re- replace date night for us when you go out because that's, that's so fun and it's, it's different yeah. to not be at home, but it gets us through until we can find a time where we have a babysitter or the kids don't have something going on and all of that. And if that's what you can do right now, then do that. Don't don't yeah. consider going out as the only date night option. Right. Great idea. And that, we always say that too. When we say date night, it's not always going it can, out. It it's, can look different. Sometimes yeah. we just go for a drive. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So it, and, and that's the point is that there's a priority on we're going to get together we're and it's going to allow us to talk and just get close and be intimate and, and enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. and just get away from the regular schedule. Mm-hmm. And another creative way to do this, if you you know, funds are tied or timing your parents who also need a babysitter and then do the kid swap. Do babysitting mm-hmm. treating. Yeah. Just do it a little bit earlier so you don't skip out on bedtimes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, we had a big group in our uh, previous church that did that a lot and it worked fantastic. It was wonderful. And you know, our, my life looks a little different and I, I'm going to mention it because I think there's probably other people that struggle with this too. And that is that my husband works shift work. And mm-hmm. so we don't have a set night every week that we can have any time together. Like there's just not any kind of rhythm that works consistently for us. And so for what we do is we just take it where we have it. You know, we, we, we look for opportunities and in, in the week that are, that's to come and we take what we can get. And I work from home and sometimes he's home during the day and our kids are at school or at least one of them is at school right now. The other one's homeschooled. Um, but we look for those opportunities, maybe just to sit down and eat lunch together during the day or, or something like that. So, you know, it, it may look very different for different people. And we, we realize and recognize that everybody's rhythm is a little bit different, but that's mm-hmm. as long as you're connecting with each other, that's the important part, I think. Mm-hmm. So the focus of our ministry here at Million Praying Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of parenting. And we always really like to ask our guests if they could help our listeners think, like if they're appearing at a stage in their lives where they're really wanting to prioritize their marriage, what can they be praying that would help them do that? Um, The first thing that I would say is be praying for each other. 
I mean, you, you are, like Aaron said earlier, you're each other's closest neighbor, but we're a team and like no one knows the, the battles and the struggles and the wrestlings of my husband more than I do. And that's because he lets me know his heart and what he's going through. But I have a privilege and an opportunity and a responsibility to take what I know and be praying for him and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a really beautiful way that you guys can be going before God to lift up requests or praises or thankfulness or anything um, and, and it be for your marriage. You know, think about what you want your marriage to be in the future and be praying for that. Yeah, and I agree. I think uh, praying for your spouse, bringing them in the, into the throne room of God, uh, uh, interceding on their behalf is praying for yourself mm-hmm. as well because you, you are one. one. <laughs> so sometimes those prayers are change my spouse and sometimes those prayers are change me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, but, the, but again, going back to the, the main focus of what we're talking about is, when we recognize what our marriage represents, the prayer is for the betterment of that message. Like make us more humble. Mm-hmm. Make, make my wife um, know you more, Lord. Uh, more like, make me more like your son, Jesus. Make, make us our bond stronger. Uh, and just praying that we have more of that in our life. Um, you know, that, and that's what, that's what prayer is for. It changes us. Mm-hmm. It changes our minds. When we pray, the, the prayer is to change our mind towards what God is doing and mm-hmm. what God has said. You know, the Bible says when we pray anything in his will, we have what we've asked for in his will. So it, the prayer is change my will, Lord, change what we desire, what we want, the direction we're going for, for what you're doing, what you want and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, and that is going to benefit our kids. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. another thing that we can be praying for is that we're all standing strong, that we're standing strong in our marriages, that the yeah. body of Christ is standing strong because we have a real enemy who really is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, yeah, and we live in a world that I mean, temptation <laughs> around every corner and the lure to yeah. um, walk the wrong way is there. And so I think we just need to be praying that our faith is strong, that we're steadfast, that we're hopeful, and that our eyes are on the right things. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I love that. That's all really great stuff to focus on um, in prayer for ourselves and for our spouses. And like you said, I love this emphasis on we're one. Like when we're I love praying that too. For, yeah, when we're praying for our spouse, we're praying for us and mm-hmm. vice versa. And there's, there is no separation there, which is beautiful. And like, I think that's a great uh, point to, to focus on and, and head in the direction now as you are parents together, as you are one. Um, we like to wrap up our shows by asking our guests to share what you're praying for your children. So mm-hmm. as one, as, you know, as you're praying for your kids, what are currently on your heart and what are you praying for your children? So, um, I would say that first and foremost, first and foremost, we're praying for their salvation. Um, I never want to be, uh, naive to think that just because we're Christians and we're trying to walk out this Christian life that our kids will automatically, um, just know God and, and yeah. understand how to be a Christian. I, I really want them to, um, embrace this journey as their own and, um, and accept Christ on their own and that it be, you know, for them and of sanctification. Um, and the other, the other thing that came to my mind is our prayers change so often because they're so little, they wrestle and struggle with so many things on a daily basis that oftentimes our prayers 
change from one thing to the next because we're, we're just concerned with their hearts and, and you know, what they're learning. And so we just want God to cover them. You know, the, the greatest yeah. thing we could pray for is their salvation because it's the, that sanctification process changes all of those other things. Yeah. We still have to train them now and, mm-hmm. you know, as children and teach them what the word says. And we're, and our, we, we, we're still to disciple them, but mm-hmm. uh, the spirit has to get a hold of their heart and yeah. they got to right. on their own receive yeah. the, the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that's why we, we've been praying a lot for that. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's we've had sad. a lot of parents of older kids on lately And I love hearing from parents of younger kids about praying that. I think that'll be a big encouragement to our listeners that do have younger kids because Brooke and I have older kids now. Our youngest, my youngest is seven. Um, And so like I can resonate with that on that with him, Mm -hmm. but we also have high school and middle school and all that. And so to think back on that time and the things that we were praying for Mm -hmm. when they were that young, I'm so glad you guys shared that because it is like they're not just going to magically fall into salvation because they live in a Christian home. Like that needs to be a prayer. And it, whether they're two or 15, it's, that's something that, um, that we need to actively be praying and asking the Lord for, and to open their eyes and their heart to that. Thank you, Jennifer and Aaron, so much for joining us today. This has been such a blessing. Can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and stay connected with you? Yeah, I think the, the best place they can find us is marriageaftergod.com. Uh, we have a podcast that we do weekly. Uh, we have our book titled Marriage After God as well. Other resources too. And other resources uh, you can find there. But I think that's the easiest way. Uh, of course, we have Unveiled Wife on Instagram and Husband Revolution. Um, but I would just say Marriage After God. It's like our, <laughs> our hub for everything. Awesome. Yeah, we like one easy place to send yeah. everybody. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com, including a link to the Smith's book, Marriage After God, Chasing Boldly After God's Purpose for Your Life Together. It is so, so good. And you're going to want to go get it right away. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.